I think that is where we are, you know, very focused on the long term as well with how we're building. We've taken very few shortcuts since that initial alpha launch because we learned the hard way. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of New Kids on the Block, presented by In Their 20s. I'm your host, Landon Campbell, and for episode three, we spoke with Kyle Brastrom. He's the founder of Dive Chat. Dive Chat is the second screen to Gen Z IRL experiences. There are so many trends pointing to Facebook being dead. Nobody uses Eventbrite. Instagram is declining. So Dive is here to serve as a one-stop shop for everything social. Super exciting product being built in consumer social right now. I'm very bullish on what Dive Chat is working on, which is why I invited them to New Kids on the Block. We had another guest on In Their 20s a few months ago. Her name was Michelle Fang. She came on the show to talk about Elysian House, which was a co-living space little connection. She's the CMO of Dive Chat. So here we were able to speak with the founder about what they're building on new kids on the block. So we're going to dive in and speak about Dive Chat. Thank you so much for joining new kids on the block. We're going to dive into Dive Chat, uh, no pun intended. So you guys are building the second screen to Gen Z IRL experiences. Um, You guys have said many times that there are so many trends pointing to Facebook being dead, no one using Eventbrite and Instagram declining. I'd love for us to start with kind of just the two second, um, two sentence pitch. What are you guys building at Dive Chat? The default communication platform for in-person communities. And sure, that's, that's what we're building. And we do that through mobile first channel-based messaging and a powerful end-to-end events experience. That's awesome. So how did you come up with this idea? I understand you were studying at uh, UT Austin. It was, right? Correct. Correct. I was uh, running a fraternity as well as another really large organization at UT Austin. And uh, we felt the burden of group me. And so I switched over to Slack for running those organizations uh, and just kind of felt the burden of Slack as well, losing that casual conversation, uh, the fun late night messaging and, uh, you know, memeing that goes on within these communities. Uh, you know, it was definitely better on Slack for our exec board and for the utility side of things, but we were losing the actual sense of community. Got it. And so coming up with the actual idea itself, um, who did you start it with? So I actually was, you know, in the very beginning of the company, like I guess the true ideation stage by myself. And one of the hardest things I think is finding a co-founder, especially in college, especially before having, you know, too much of a, uh, I guess, career before me, you know, finding someone that's as crazy as you are is, is extremely difficult, very similar to finding a romantic partner, honestly. And so I actually went through six or seven different technical co-founders before meeting my uh, now co-founder and CTO, John Herrick, uh, and just feel so blessed to have him on the team. Uh, Very few people, especially in college, kind of will be willing to acknowledge that building a, you know, generational company takes at least five years. Uh, You know, I think college students think, you know, a couple of weeks out, maybe a few months out if you're lucky. And so getting someone else that is ready to take on that level of commitment is definitely a challenge. 
Totally. So you guys are playing right now in multiple domains. Um, you know, there's the event side of this, but more importantly, I mean, you guys are looking to build a new consumer social application. Um, two questions for you. The first is I want to learn about how large this opportunity is um, that you guys are following. I know we hear a lot of numbers all the time and insights, but what are the numbers that stick out to you um, when you have those conversations with investors about how large this market is? And the second question, um, which I'll uh, let you hear now to have some time to answer I've seen a lot of these consumer social apps, not saying it's yours, just a lot of other consumer social apps come and go. Of course, no, I love that chat. I'm a user. Absolutely. But no, we've seen a lot of these other apps come and go. They're trendy now. And then, you know, they don't um, end up sticking around. I know you guys don't want to do that. I know you guys are trying to build something that has longevity, um, but I want to hear from the founder himself, how are you guys looking to have this not just be a trend? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, you know, most consumer social products are gimmicks at heart. You know, there's something that's designed to go viral. Uh, we actually went through that life cycle at Dive with our first alpha launch now about two years ago, almost exactly two years ago. Uh, we quickly got thousands of users on the platform and, and so much kind of excitement around what we were building. But the product itself didn't deliver utility. Uh, and that's something that, you know, isn't talked about because, you know, consumer social is all about fun. But that's what really makes us you know, unique and different is at its core dive is a tool. It's a very fun tool to use, but it is solving real problems. And we actually see a tremendous amount of overlap with what we're building um, with like B2B SaaS, ironically. Uh, you know, again, these, the way that we even you know, currently are bringing dive to the world for these early adopters is manually talking with these community leaders and, and helping them, again, in a very manual process onboard to the platform, set up their dive chats correctly and you know get things started. So I think that is where we are, you know, very focused on the long term as well with how we're building. We've taken very few shortcuts since that initial alpha launch because we learned the hard way of what, you know, close to 0% retention looks like and since then we've obsessed over just providing value, right? Like not how do we get users, but like how do we get users to actually just love the product and spread it themselves and focusing on things like the K factor, uh, which is your virality coefficient and focusing on you know, just like qualitative things more so than quantitative, quantitative as well, where we aren't obsessed over our metrics, you know, at this early stage, we're obsessed over the conversations we're having with users. Um, you know, again, like just at a genuine conversational level, like what are they saying about the product? Are they sharing it with their friends without us asking them to not, can we build a really great referral system that, you know, blows this up to a campus and helps us raise a massive, really clouded seed round? Totally, man. I think that that's so well said. And at the beginning stages, you need to do things that don't necessarily scale. I think everybody, of course, wants to have the next unicorn and build something big, but it's wonderful to see that you guys are actually in the trenches, having these conversations, making sure that people actually like using the product. Um, Because if you're not able to build that early zeitgeist, uh, people who want to talk about this with their friends, family, peers, early, um, you know, strong brand advocates, then it's going to be difficult to really find those people in the future. So it's amazing to see that you're really building into that now. Um, and now for the other side of the question, uh, just the opportunity of the market, I know you guys are still in the early phases doing things as you should um, during these early days, but how large is this uh, opportunity? And it, just correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys mainly consider yourselves consumer social, right? Absolutely. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest things about talking about dive is that, you know, we, are in the messaging space, event space, yeah, do a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. at large consumer social space. And I mean, that is the reality is we are, you know, building a true platform, you know, that goes to consumer social as well. I think we haven't seen an actual platform succeed in consumer social since arguably Snapchat. 
Um, yep. You know, even TikTok is a media company. Um, you know, Clubhouse never really made it uh, and is also a media company in most ways. Rest in peace, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. And so, you know, I think we are and have from the beginning, you know, acknowledged how many edge cases there are to what we're doing. And that being said, that's why we're so focused on Greek life right now and focused on college communities is because it helps us, um, you know, build a tangible product. It's so easy to get distracted. Um, that being said, the, the real industry and long-term opportunity is, is essentially infinite because we're attacking just experiences. Like that is why we're building Dive is to get people off their phone, interacting in the real world. Uh, in many ways, you could call us an anti-metaverse company, which I think Gen Z especially has, you know, really resonated with that sentiment. And, you know, I think if I said those words to someone who wasn't in the tech industry, they might not even fully understand what I mean. Uh, but they will immediately kind of light up with the idea of, again, like, this is something I talk about with, with every community leader on the platform is like, our goal is to get you off dot. Like our goal in the same way, I guess like hinge is designed to be deleted as a dating app. We're designed to get you into the real world because, you know, that's where real connections and genuine moments are formed. And again, I think fortunately we're building for a generation that really resonates with that mission. Um, and that's why we're seeing the app, you know, spread quite well organically, even a closed beta uh, is because, you know, people are exhausted with social media. We, we call ourselves a social messenger. So we're taking the best components of social media and overlaying it on top of a messaging experience. But that's not something that's actually really been done before. And, and similarly, again, we're not trying to maximize screen time. We're just trying to maximize, you know, real world time. I love it, man. Um, so now I'd love to dive into traction. I think it's like the fifth time I've said dive in. It's, it's catchy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So I know you guys have a very, you know, established wait list um, and you guys have, uh, you know, built an ambassador program as well with over 350 people. Uh, you guys have a group in San Francisco uh, where I'm from that has over 1400 people and growing, but something that you've seen a lot of people use, as you just mentioned, is in Greek life. Um, you guys are really popular on Stanford campuses um, and then also, you know, the uh, UT Austin where you guys are from. I was the social chair of my fraternity and I can't tell you how, often I had headaches. I mean, just trying to rally people together, sign up for this event, do this. Okay. Like the conversation starting in group me, but now I have to get people to go to this link and that link. And ultimately just no one would listen to me as a freshman social chair as well. <laughs> so um, I could, I see the utility uh, for this, not only for me to use it today as you know a post-grad, but also, um, God, I wish I had something like this while, while I was in college. What are some of the Greek organizations and just a lot of these uh, communities that you've tapped into on university campuses, what are they saying they like about the product? Why are they using it? And what are some uh, interesting use cases that have popped up that you guys probably didn't even build for, never expected to happen? Absolutely. I, I think like that is one of the most exciting things is already even in this like very small beta, we're seeing dive be used for things we could have never guessed. Uh, you know, for example, religious groups, we've seen so much more interest in than we would have oh. ever thought. Uh, similarly, like coworkers uh, using it outside of the workplace to organize. So, you know, in the same way that, you know, Slack is the default 9am to 5pm platform. A lot of what I talk about now is long term, how do we become the default 5pm to 9am platform where anything that. you're doing outside of work dive is the first place that you go to, uh, you know, facilitate those those interactions and in, in the communities that you're part of. Uh, in terms of, you know, Greek life, again, our, our bread and butter and our initial beachhead, uh, which we absolutely love, you know, it's such a fun market to get to, you know, bring yeah. a product to. There's just so much energy. And very recently, to be honest, is when we really have seen the shift where, for one, Greek life is fed up with group me. And that's what's something that VCs actually don't understand with, about what we're building is that 
they're like, oh, what about Slack? What about Discord? Where in reality, the vast majority of student organizations today are still operating on GroupMe, a platform that is, you know, a decade old. The founders haven't been involved in the company for about half that time now and uh, is owned by Microsoft. That's something that, that most student organization leaders and VCs don't even know. And so, you know, it is really a space that's primed for disruption. And we're seeing the breaking point hit to where I talked to, for example, over 20 student organization leaders last week alone, and every single one of them said they were actively considering a switch to either Slack or Discord, um, but had reservations and hesitations uh, about that switch for whatever reason. You know, typically, again, Slack being too professional, Discord, uh, kind of the overall sentiment there is it just feels heavy and complicated. Yeah. And um, it's honestly just overkill is what they say. They, they don't need all of those features. I know. There's probably small groups, you know, within companies that really need all those features. But I mean, as someone who's on Slack and has tried to build, you know, communities in the past for my followers and my listeners, um, it's 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 a lot, um, to be honest, and very overcomplicated for people who aren't even included, you know, in tech and like don't even you know know a lot of these terms and you know what this button does. So yeah, Slack is um it's a lot, but it serves utility for some people. So it's nice that you guys have found a balance though, something that people want to use that has a lot of good features um, that they're already doing on so many different platforms. It's nice to be able to bring them together into one platform, just make it much easier for people so they can be on their phone less. I, I totally get the philosophy there. I love that. The one thing I was going to add is that we aren't trying to change habits. I think that's what also sets us apart from a lot of other consumer social companies. You'll hear like, if we can get users to do blank, Dive is built for the exact flow of an already operating organization and community. So when they switch over to the platform, they find that everything just seamlessly integrates with how they were already behaving. Um, nothing about Dive is unique in terms of you know, uh, behavior that we're asking them to take. They're already sharing events, both internally and externally. They're already, you know, if they're using GroupMe, they have at least a dozen different group chats already. They're using a non-channel-based messenger in a channel-based manner, ironically. And so mm -hmm. when they come on to dive, again, it just feels like this like pressure uh, releases for them because it finally is doing what they wanted these other platforms to do. Uh, whether it be Slack, Discord, GroupMe, uh, Facebook groups, you know, wherever they're coming from, they've been using these as a makeshift solution. Uh, and we're just coming in and build, building something that is truly tailor-built for these in-person communities, which operate so distinctly differently from online communities. Amazing. No, really well said. So I want to find out more about your vision for the next five years in the future, um, like where you'll be and where Dive will be. But before we do, we need to talk a little bit more about where you are currently in the journey. So I understand that you guys have raised from the Hustle Fund, um, which I'm a part of their uh, Angel Squad cohort, number six. Eric Bond, you know, the, one of the founders of Hustle Fund, he's a community builder himself. I want to talk about, you know, some of these strategic investors that you've got. And I know that you have the head of community at Clubhouse, the head of growth at Instagram as well. Uh, what have a lot of these investors been able to bring forth to you? Um, and what are you looking to do, um, you know, with this recent funding that you guys have received and will continue to receive? Yeah, I think it's been so exciting to talk to people that, like, as you said earlier, we're also in the trenches. Like, it's fantastic talking to people that, you know, spend their entire day investing. And I definitely respect that. Um, but even better is talking to people that, you know, have actually built in this honestly brutal space. Consumer social is truly an all out war. Like you say in the trenches for any type of startup, but I think consumer social is just one of the most, I guess, sure. like direct comparisons of it's a battle. You're competing very directly against competitors from day yeah. one. You know, that's one of the hard things about Dive where you have to match all this parity. We're trying to catch up to platforms that are a decade old and have been building for a decade before anyone's going to even begin to notice the unique value we bring. 
um, you know, that's why it's been so helpful to, you know, after so long building this, bring on these people that have decades of experience and, uh, for them to be able to share just kind of this unique insight of what the early days of companies like Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, um, were like, and, you know, how did they tackle these problems and not even necessarily the specific solutions, but far more importantly, the frameworks of how they attack these problems. How do they yep. break down, you know, user behavior and then turn that into tangible solutions? Um, you know, I think one of the most critical things is just getting that really tight feedback loop between your users and your product team to where you can really quickly iterate. You know, this is something that's talked about all the time in consumer social, but it really is just a battle to see who can, you know, iterate the fastest. And that is something that is, especially I think for young entrepreneurs hard because we don't like admitting we're wrong in most cases. Like, I think that's something I again learned the hard way early on is like, you know, no matter how good your intuition is, you're going to be wrong about 90% of, of what you're thinking about. Being right about 10% consumer social is awesome. Like it yeah. truly is, is great. It's all so, you need sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah, and so these investors have shed a really, a, a really beautiful light on, I think, helping us accelerate and helping us let go of some of these things that, you know, ideas that we've held on to since the very beginning of the company and just realize those are things we want to do three years from now, right? Like, for one, and I think we got lucky that very early on, we abandoned, for example, generating revenue, which is like something that was really hard for me. My background, uh, you know, I, I've been at a lot of startups throughout my career. And, you know, again, making money is just part of like, like growth, what's, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, it's part of growth and part of building a good business. Uh, but talking with the founder of Yik Yak, he was like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, don't think about this. Like, if you do, you'll die. Like, you know, he was like, we started putting too much time in it, you know, thinking about generating revenue that we stopped iterating on the product at the same degree. And, and we lost users, we lost momentum on growth. And, you know, it was one of their crucial mistakes that, yeah. you know, led to, you know, albeit a lot of other issues as well. But um, for us, we are solely focused on growth, solely focused on providing the best user experience in the world, truly. Um, so yeah, those are so some of the takeaways. And then, dude, I, I yeah. love that you said that last point. I love that so much um, that yes, you know, for a lot of companies make money first. I mean, that needs to be the priority, but a lot of these other industries that I want to highlight on the show, um, you know, it might be uncomfortable for investors to, um, you know, jump into, but they really like need to understand that like, no, this is how it should be done. You know, like building the audience first, building the strong community, building, you know, the user base um, you know, that will lead to heavy payout for sure. Um, and you guys are doing it um, in all the right steps. So let's talk about the next five years. Um, is there a number of users that you want to have before you start exploring monetization? What are some monetization ideas that you guys have? Um, will there be a web three play? I mean, anything that Absolutely you see for not. the future. <laughs> Thank you. That's the clip right there. I, I love that. Not everything has to have a web three component. So let's make sure that people understand that on this show. Um, but yes, so what does the next few years look like for Dive Chat? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's again, building the best group chat experience possible. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, that's not even for in-person communities or online communities, but truly just building the best group chat experience in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. That is our first priority. A lot of where we're headed, and I don't want to get into too many details, but yeah. is, is what I said earlier, which is, again, social messaging. So overlaying the things that make social media great. I'm a very big social media skeptic, ironically. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a LinkedIn. Um, oh. But there's so many things that make social media incredible. There's a reason that you know, we as humans you know, flock to these platforms and, and spend so much time a day on them. Uh, and there is amazing pieces uh, within the technology itself that I think can be utilized in the messaging experience. And so that's a lot of what we're toying around with uh, right now. And, and we're really, we're headed over the next few years is 
building this hybrid experience between social media and messaging uh, and, and truly helping kind of find signal through the noise, which I would say mm-hmm. is the number one issue of any group chat platform today is, mm-hmm. you know, you either have a dead group with no notifications or you have a group that's active and you have too many notifications to where you end up muting it, which leads to that first problem all over again. And so mm-hmm. um, creating a way for people to trust a platform to deliver uh, you know, the right notifications, I think is what everyone wants out of, you know, a messaging app right now. And it's a hard problem to solve, but one that I think we, we already have the technology for, and it just needs to be, you know, built. You guys will do it. I love that you are, um, really talking often about these, um, current challenges with a lot of these other platforms, because that's how you guys are going to be able to build such a tight product that, you know, works for everybody is for everybody and solves those current challenges. Final question for you, Kyle, I understand that, uh, we just spoke about this, um, briefly off air. You're living a nomad lifestyle, uh, something that's I've been interested in doing as well. have explored it, haven't fully committed. Um, but that's something that a lot of um, people our age, you know, are, um, also exploring currently doing, um, this is new kids on the block. What's your final message for those on the fence about a nomadic lifestyle, but, um, you know, might actually consider it for the future. So I guess this ties into an overarching thesis I have on life, which is take risk early. Um, being a nomad is like, there's, there's definitely pros and cons to it. It won't be my lifestyle for my entire life, but that's what, you know, your twenties is all about that post-college life or post high school life for some people that don't go to college. Uh, everything I've ever done in my life is a massive risk. And part of that is like, growing up with some privilege allows me to take that risk. And I do acknowledge, you know, that that is a massive piece of this, but if you do have the ability to take risk, like do it while you're young, it's only going to get harder as time goes on. You know, you're going to have a family and you're going to have a career and, uh, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or building your own startup, whatever that might be. Um, you know, I was a professional poker player as well. And so, you know, risk oh, is wow. a, huge piece, <laughs> a huge piece of my life, everything I've ever done. I'm an adventure traveler. You know, I've, I've been to more than 30 countries and you know, done some pretty crazy stuff, whether it be like, you know, whitewater rafting, the highest raftable waterfall in the world, or, uh, you know, climbing 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado. But with all of these things, again, it just like makes you appreciate being alive and, uh, you know, makes you accelerate. Honestly, I think, again, it's just like that breadth of experience and, and being a nomad is definitely just one of the kind of most uh, objective ways of doing this. It forces new experiences constantly. Yep. It forces personal growth. Uh, I started doing it through a co-living experience. Um, I started with Ami Yoshimura, who most people know in the, in the Gen Z tech community. He and I and Sasha Burkoff as well started Adventure House together in March of 2021, which was a co-living house out in the middle of nowhere in Utah during COVID. And uh, since then, we did our cohort after that in LA, where Michelle and I then kind of uh, and Ami as well, you know, kind of ran cohorts for a few months out there. And yeah, I, I'm not only bullish on, I guess, nomading, but most most importantly, nomading with people you care about and people that, you know, are going to push you to grow and improve. And uh, I just saw in our first cohort alone, we saw every single person in the house either in a relationship of over a year, drop out of college or quit their full-time job. And so, wow, you know, it's these incredible life-changing moments that happen at a re- ridiculous fast cadence, but it's kind of like in the startup world, you want to iterate really quickly. Um, You want to be doing that same thing in your personal life. And so, you know, I haven't signed a year long lease since college. uh, And the idea of doing so now just feels crazy to me because even being somewhere for three months at the same time, you know, feels like a big commitment. And uh, there's pros and cons to that stability is great too. So it depends on the person, but overall, most people are very comfortable with where they grew up. And so for me, I grew up in Texas, like moving out to LA for the first time was a massive decision. And uh, it kind of really opened my thinking in so many ways. So I always say there's no bad that can come of it. You either 
leave and realize that you want to be where you were anyways, uh, or you leave and realize that like this new place is way better. So uh, either way, it kind of makes you more confident in your decision and, and more comfortable with the decision that you've made. And in reality, even something like a year is nothing in the grand scheme of life. And, you know, taking those risks will always remove the what if. Dude, so well said, Kyle, you are super dope. Thank you so much, man, for that. I mean, for someone who, again, is on the fence, uh, feel a little more motivated now. So thank you. <laughs> and um, if you are ever in Chicago or interested in staying in Chicago, let me know, man. We have a really, really uh, booming tech scene over here that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. I don't know if you visited, but we'd love to host you here. So let me know. Absolutely. I'll take you up on that. Sweet. Kyle, thank you so much. Of course.